this evening was turn our attention and our worship towards Jesus because he's worthy. And it's amazing how even as Christians, you know, we can be the people, the loudest going, you know, he's the reason for the season, he's the reason for the season. But how many people know there's a difference between saying something and believing something and living something? And so I want to take us from a place of saying it to believing it to living it. And I want to talk about what that looks like. I want to uh, share very quickly with you this evening because I know you've all got things to do, things that you want to uh, bring together, things that are planning to be done. Our whole purpose of gathering here tonight is not to take Jesus out of Christmas Day. I actually believe that by meeting on Christmas Eve, Jesus will be more present in your Christmas Day. Because church doesn't suddenly become something, oh, we've got to get there, we've got to, we come tonight, we're ready, we're relaxed, we've taken that collective breath to go, well, there's nothing more that can be done now. <laughs> Tomorrow we'll, we'll get up and you'll, we'll have different traditions and different uh, things that we do in our families, different places that we go, and, and whatever it is that you do, I pray that Jesus will be the center of it for you. I want to share a couple of jokes with you. Can I share a couple of Christmas jokes? I promise they're better than the ones that come in the Christmas crackers, and I promise them that they're better than the one that I told a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> Rodney's gone, thank you, Jesus. It's, all right. This first one is called the three wise woman. You know what would have happened if there had been three wise women instead of men, don't you? They would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and bought appropriate, useful gifts for a newborn. A young boy wanted to be Joseph in the Sunday school pageant. He was cast as the innkeeper. I feel for him. <laughs> and he objected loudly, but to no avail. So desperate he wanted to be Joseph, and yet here he found himself as the innkeeper. When the pageant was presented, Mary and Joseph knocked on the door and asked if he had room for them. The boy smiled and said, yeah, so much room, come on in. <laughs> Peaceful protest. Last one. Two young boys were spending the night at their grandparents' house the week before Christmas. At bedtime, the two boys knelt beside their beds to say their prayers. The younger one began praying at the top of his lungs, I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new PlayStation. His older brother leaned over, nudged him, and said, Why are you shouting? God is not death. To which the little brother replied, No, but Grandma is. So there you go. Now when you open your terrible Christmas cracker jokes tomorrow, you'll at least have had some kind of humor that's worthwhile. If you've got Bibles, we're going we're gonna to read a number of scriptures tonight. If you've got them, you can get them out. If not, they're going to be on the screen, the age of technology. Uh, although I'm slightly scared of that. I think it's now so easy to get the Bible up there that sometimes it's not as compelling to open our own. So, you know, if you've got one, you might have a digital version on your phone. That's cool. No one will judge you as long as you're not texting. Just look over your neighbor's shoulder if they're holding a phone. Is it the Bible or is it you version or you chew? One is holy. One is, I haven't got a pun. But Okay. Book of Isaiah chapter 9, the Old Testament. So many years before the birth of Jesus prophesies, and this is what it says. Nevertheless, I love that word. How many people need a nevertheless this Christmas? 
I know for many people that this year has been a little bit difficult in different ways. We go through trials, we have things. But I love this because the whole previous chapter talks about the, the trials and the suffering and the things that we go through. And then it says, nevertheless, say nevertheless. I love it. It's three words crammed into one, my kind of preaching. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. Amen. For those who were in distress, in the past, he humbled the land of, and the land of, yep, but in the future, he will honor Galilee, I know that one, of the nations, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the deep, a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. I said this on Sunday, when Jesus came, he came to establish a new reality. A new day, a new dawn, a new joy. You have enlarged the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Jesus, meek and mild. eh? For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Can we get a resounding amen on that one this evening? That the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness and the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This is not something that is to come from that time on and forever. Jesus is seated where? On the throne. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The Lord has sent a message against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. All the people will know it. Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria who say with pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. But the Lord has strengthened Rezin's foes against them and has spurred their enemies on. I actually think I'm going to stop there. Um, Yeah. Oh, hang on. Yeah, no, that'll do. In fact, I want to finish with that last verse. Let's just highlight that one. But the people have not returned to him who struck them, nor have they sought the Lord Almighty, nor have they sought the Lord Almighty. If you wanted a title for this Christmas sermon, I would call it Give and Take. Or Give and Give. You know, one of the things that's always amused or perplexed me about the Nativity story, we tell it every year in different ways. Sunday we told it in a very different way. (laughs) But we, we, you know, we know even if, even if church isn't a regular thing for you, you've got some idea that there's some shepherds and there's some wise men or some kings or some something, uh, two in a tractor, one in a car, one in a tractor, two in a car, that would be more practical. Um, you know, and, and so we know bits of the story, Mary, Joseph, in Bethlehem, words, and yet one of the things that I've always gone is why those people? Why those examples? Why when the nativity, when the Bible chooses to tell the origin stories of Jesus coming into our world, did, did he choose to bring shepherds? Did he choose to bring uh, wise men or magi? Why did he choose Zechariah? Why did he choose Mary? Why were all these different people involved? And so what I want to do, I want to go through a number of different stories um, because I just want to let the Bible tell the nativity story tonight. And then I want to draw a conclusion for you. 
which you will probably draw as well. Uh, can you go to that first one for me in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38? This isn't the prophecy of the birth of Jesus, but of John the Baptist. Six months prior. In the sixth month of Elizabeth, no, sorry, this is the Mary one. In the sixth months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her, say went to her, went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, okay, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Notice the reflection between that promise made so long ago. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. You know, as we start to look through a couple of different stories, let me just re- read another one. What's the next one I've got there? It'd be Luke chapter 2? 1. Oh, yeah, we've gone back. This is the one I wanted. So this is, this is the story of Elizabeth. Watch what happens here, or Zechari- and Zechariah. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, how, let's just stop here for a moment and go, the temple of the, Lord, of the Lord is a place where you expect to meet with God, yes? Like, you know, you come to church, like, there's a lot of people who go, if I wanted to meet with God, church would be one of the places that I would expect that to happen. But for Zechariah, church was not only church, it was his place of work. It was his place of duty. It was his place of responsibility. And so he's in this place, he's drawn the the lot that says it's his job to go into and offer the sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Turns out sometimes we can come to church expecting to meet with God, but when you actually do, it can be a little bit worrying. But the angel said to him again, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other for men to drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. That'll do. We'll stop there, bud. So we've got Mary, and it says 
the angel of the Lord came to her. We've got Zechariah who's in his place of work and an angel comes to him. Let's take a look at the next story. What, what do you got there for me now? But what order did I give these to you in? Luke 2? Luke 2. Let's read about the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. It seems to be a common theme that when God turns up, people get scared. <laughs> but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. So the response when God turns up isn't the response that God wants. Because God turns up and we respond and then the angel says, not like that. Which raises the question, what should our response be? Let's keep going. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So we've got Mary who's at home and a messenger of heaven comes to her house. We've got Zechariah who's in his place of work and a messenger comes to his work. We've got shepherds living and working in a field and a messenger comes to them at their house, at their home. Take a look at this one. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east. Now, let, let's make an establishment here. I know that we love to make these out to be lovely Christian people. Three kings, three very wise people. Magis, astrologers, horoscopes, stars, and all sorts of different things. Not exactly the sort of person that you, you'd go, yeah, let's, let's put them in our founding document for the church. Unless you're Jesus, apparently. And so here's three magi from the east come to Jerusalem and ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Stop there for a moment, but So we've got Mary and the message of God comes to her in her home. Zechariah in his place of work, in his church. We've got the shepherds in their fields, in their home, again, their place of work. The Magi, this one's going to mess with you. In their Eastern religion, God reveals himself. Can God do that? <laughs> is, he, is, is God allowed to do that? One of the stories that I love to share, uh, we have a woman in our congregation who, who was away from God. Didn't want anything to do with church. 
One day I went to see a psychic. Now let me just put this as a disclaimer. If you come to me and go, I need, to, I need a word from God, not on my top 1,000 things will I say to you, go and see a psychic. But here's what I know. In Psalm 139, David declared, even if I make my bed in hell, God will find me there. Because God has a habit of coming to where you are. Hopefully you're starting to see that by now. And so she went to see a psychic, and the psychic said, you're going to find your hope again in a place of family and a place of music. Finally, through the nagging of a friend, walked into church on a Sunday morning and went, this is the place my psychic talked about. Now, we don't put that review on our Facebook page. That would be weird. Lennon Baptist Community Church, the place my psychic talked about. (laughs) Not, Not a great way to win Christians and influence people. However, can God do what he wants? And so we see God who comes into situations comes to Mary in her home, Zechariah in his church, the shepherds in their fields and in their homes, the, 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 the magi in their pagan religion. Let's carry on. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly disturbed. When he called together all the people's chief, he, uh, chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. So they're in his house right now. They're in his temple. They're in his court. They're in his castle. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the... It's okay, guys. It's a baby. They do that. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you go find him, report to me, so that I may too go and worship him. (laughs) After they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. What just happened? Something changed. They followed their Eastern religion to Jesus and then changed and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and no disposable nappies, which probably the wise woman would have brought. (laughs) Or reusable ones. We live in a day where we're trying to save the environment. So, my point is this. God comes to where you are. God came to Mary's house. He came to Zechariah's church. He came to the shepherd's place of work. You keeping up with me? He came to, he came to the wise men's religion. He came to Herod's kingdom. The question is, what happens next? This year's been an interesting year, eh? You only have to watch a little bit of the news. I don't like to talk politics from the front, so I'll avoid it. Except to say, there's been a wild ride around the world, regardless of what your political views are. Everyone's a little confused. And one of the big things this year has been the coming and going of of immigration, there's been things about Mexico, there's been, you know, all these different things depending on what, you know, uh, you don't have to go far in any government. 
And one of the things that concerns me is that Christianity has often been associated with colonization. I got some friends who have been based up doing church services at Ihumato as part of the Baptist Union. And when they first turned up there as Maori, they were told, get out of here. We don't want you and your colonizing God. And see, when we tell a story of a Jesus that comes to us, there can be a picture of a colonizing God that very quickly gets painted. History paints a picture of a God who was into colonization. We see the Crusades and we see, a, uh, you know, we see the, the expansion of Great Britain. For many of us, that's how we are here. And yet I wonder whether we've created a wrong story or a wrong picture. It's funny that the very people who go around the world taking their, 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 their empire on tour, so to speak, then get upset when, because you told them how good Britain was, they all want to go to Britain. And so what happens is we, we go around, but here's what I've learned. And, and, and even still, it makes me cringe to hear Christians today who talk with a colonization mindset to evangelism. You know, I've, I've heard preachers, I've heard life groups, I've heard well many people go, you know, Genesis said, fill the earth and subdue it. We're supposed to pray against that. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to, you know, that's not okay. That person's not this. That person's, there's been a lot of finger pointing at people this year. And yet God says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so in this whole thing, if the book of Genesis at the beginning tells us that the command from God was to fill the earth and subdue it, then the best model of that is who? Jesus. So let's watch how Jesus did it. <laughs> Jesus' approach to filling the earth was not one of forcing, but of invitation. Colonization says you must become one of us. The ministry of Jesus said, I will become one of you. Isn't that beautiful? Colonization says you must become who I am. And yet in Jesus, uh, that verse in Philippians, but Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Where did we go wrong? Where did we assume that Jesus came into our world and said, you must become like me, instead of saying, I will become one of you. But here's what happens. Jesus comes into our reality. He came to, he, let's, let's see how much you picked up. He came into Mary's home. He came into Zechariah's church. He came into the shepherd's workplace. He came into uh, the wise men's religion, the Magi's religion. He came into Herod's kingdom. And the celebration of Christmas is that Jesus comes into our world, to our humanity, that the one who, in very nature, God did not consider that equality something to be clung to, but to step down and take on the nature of a servant. Jesus comes into our reality, but he also invites us into his, into his reality. And many times as Christians, what we do is we invite God into our circumstances, but I wonder, do we ever accept the invitation into his? <laughs> My daughter wants to go home. She's had enough. 
do we accept the invitation into his? A relationship that allows something into our world without entering into theirs is not truly a relationship. And so if we look at the different responses of these people, the angel appears to before Mary in her circumstance and then invites her into his, into God's. And she says, let everything you have said about me become true. He appears to Zechariah, and Zechariah doubts. The angel fixes that. <laughs> he appears to the shepherds where they are, and the shepherds get up and go. He appears to the Magi, and the Magi get up and go, and then change, shift their reality. He, repe- he appears to Herod, through the magic, they come and they tell him, the message of God comes to Herod, and Herod says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. And if I was to, to bring this give and take uh, thing home this evening, here's what I believe God would say. I have come to you. Will you come to me? That is the story of Christmas. I have come to you. Will you come to me? Herod said, bring him here so I can worship him. Something changes when we go from inviting God into our circumstances to deciding to live in his. You know, I once talked about this idea of the difference between the ministry of Jesus and the, minis- and, and the mission of colonization. What would it look like if we did differently? And I had someone come to me and say, you know, he was from India, and he said to me, I recently got my New Zealand citizenship. When I became a New Zealand citizen, I did not become one less bit Indian. And we see this. When Jesus became man, did he become one bit less God? He did not. When we become Christians, do we become one bit less human? <laughs> how, how many human people here this, morning, this evening? How many people here painfully aware of their humanity this evening? How many people painfully aware of the humanity of the person on their left this evening? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that got uncomfortable. I've just started the Christmas fights already. It's, uh... But there is an invitation. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door, that's the invitation into his house. And it says, I will eat with him and he will eat with me. The reason being Jesus wants us to understand that this is a both and. I have come to you so that you may come to me. Jesus later said, I am the way. I am the way. See, what good is a ladder if you don't climb it? And so my challenge to you this evening is this, and I'm going to wrap it up here. The wise men, the shepherds, were met in their fields. This year, Jesus is meeting with you. Tonight here at church, for some of you and your family, some of you your place of work, some of you it's your dreams. We had a woman turn up here about a year and a half ago. Woke up one morning, said, I heard a voice that said, I'm real, come find me. And I figured it was probably God because there was no one else in my room. (laughs) 
it's either incredibly freeing or incredibly spooky. It's, again, quite probably why the angel usually had to start with, do not be afraid. God will meet you where you're at. Whatever kind of year you've had, God is there. Whatever you're gone through, whatever you're, whatever you're going through, whatever your health, whatever the balance in your bank account heading into tomorrow, Jesus has come to you. And his invitation this evening is, what will you do with that? Will you worship him once a year at Christmas? Or will you invite him into your home? Will you echo the words of Mary, let everything you have said about me come true? Will you echo the response of the shepherds and as God meets you in your place, will you move to his place? Or the response of the Magi, where God meets you in your religion, will you then join him in his? Or when Jesus meets you in your kingdom, and we've all got a kingdom, will you go with him to his? Can I pray for you this evening? So good. Yeah, come on. Mighty God, Lord Jesus, thank you that you come to us. Jesus, thank you that you do not come with intimidation, with a lightning bolt or a big stick, but you chose to come to us in the least threatening form, a child. Lord, that you entrusted humankind to raise you. Jesus, thank you that you come to us. Lord, I thank you that there is not a heart here this evening that you are not close to. You are the God that the book of Acts tells us fills everything in every way. You are the God that Paul said is never far from any one of us. And Jesus, we pray that you would be close. We pray that you would be near to us as we celebrate this year. We pray that you would be near those who are struggling, those who are triumphing, and everything in between. But God, we pray more than that. That as you have come to us, so we too would come to you. That we would open our hearts, that we would position ourselves, that we would turn from our sin, from our ways, from our traditions, to enter into your righteousness and your love and your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.